0: WVEW LP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at wvew.org. And this is Indigo Radio every Sunday at 1 p.m. We also replay on Mondays at 2 p.m. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. We are a project of the Spark Teacher Education Program out of Southern Vermont. You can find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and Instagram. Our shows are recorded and will be uploaded to our SoundCloud and iTunes. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not the radio station. This is Anna for Indigo, and today we spend the hour with Leticia Gonzalez. Leticia is a visiting scholar at Clark University, where I'm currently teaching in Worcester, Massachusetts. I was able to sit down with Leticia a couple weeks ago and talk with her all about her work on rural women, on family farms in Argentina, and women's movements in Argentina. That song that we played at the beginning was one Leticia had sent to me. Violeta Para is considered one of the main Latin American singers. El Guilletón, as it is called, is a Mapuche ceremony which uh, Mapuche is an indigenous tribe from Chile and South Argentina. The song tells the story of a town where it was raining a lot and the Machi began to pray for it to stop in order to cultivate. La Machi is the female healer of the community and Leticia said she likes this song as it speaks about the community role of women, which she will talk to us more about in her interview. Thanks everyone for joining us and enjoy the show. Thank you for being on Indigo Radio. And I would love for you to
1: start by introducing yourself and what you're doing at Clark University this year. Hi, Anna. It's really nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm Leticia, as you said. Uh, I am a political scientist and I'm here in Clark as a Fulbrighter visiting scholar uh, developing project that is related to my PhD dissertation where I tackle the relationship between women issues and family farming international arena that is Mercosur in South America.
0: And can you explain a little bit about family farms? What defines a family farm?
1: And then we'll talk a little bit about your work with women. Okay. Family farm issue in Latin America was introduced about the beginning of the century, because before that, we used to to have, like, several spaces in the ministry, in the agriculture ministry, and in the farm uh, scenario with uh, different types of producers that wouldn't call themselves family farmers you know they they were seen as themselves as campesinos uh, as different uh, things related to their way of living in the countryside but not as family farmers so it was like a political thing like uh, trying to organize the space of those little producers who were seen before as poor people, but from this moment the governments tried to show them the, those uh, farmers not as poor as have been seen before. So it was like a, a level to treat them in the different ways uh, from the government. We didn't used to talk about family farm before the beginning of the century. Okay. So it was like introduced by governments, especially by international organizations. Family farming is like a catch all level to talk about several different realities in our countryside from maybe agricultures to livestock owners, but in small amounts, and maybe. People who don't own their own land but works in the countryside, so it's like a, a catching all level. There are several realities into the level of family farming, but on the other side, it's a really useful level to work with them from the governments and from the public policies. So the realities are really different inside inside the movement or inside the family farming, but they share like, some characteristics, for example, or they work on really small farms, which is small depends on the province, on the country in Latin America, on the type of the uh, production they have. For example, if you own uh, apple trees, maybe one hectare, this is enough for you to be considered a family farmer, but it's not enough if you are in the middle of the pampas in, Ar- in Buenos Aires province or in uh, Santa Fe province in, Ar- in Argentina. In there, there are bigger farms, but the, the thing is that they produce small amount of the thing they, they are producing, and they used to consume themselves the things that that they produced, or they uh, sell it, but in, in small markets and in domestic uh, places, not for international commerce.
0: So that's a characteristic: is that they consume, they often consume what they are producing, yes, and they might also sell a bit of it at a more local market or within yes. the community. Yes. Okay. I know you had mentioned to me: is it that you grew up on a farm yourself? Yes. Is that what drove the interest? Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, not in a farm, but in a small town. My fa- my father was a farmer, but we didn't live in the farm. Okay. We, we live in the country, and you know it's. Fun because I moved to the city just to go to go in a different way and to do something different from my father's and when I finished my university I discovered that I was really interested in this topic that yeah. was my life our country has been uh, an agricultural country since the beginning so we really can see two different agricultural models struggling. And even if someone owns a really small farm, they usually produce for the international market. So my my dad owns a really small farm, but they produce what the international market asks for. So okay. it's really kind of schizophrenic in a, in, a, in a sense, because from the 90s up to now, the the uh, well the green revolution and all those things related to the production of crops for the international markets has really in- been increasing, you know, and it's uh, it's a really important thing now. So even when you own small farms, it's difficult to produce food instead of crops or instead of commodities.
0: Okay, great. So that so if I am understand correctly, it's that when you say the two different types of models in the country is that there's a consequence of the green revolution of monocropping and export for international market, right? And then the other is the smaller family
1: farms. Okay. They are both in the same places. Okay. Know? They they share resources, they share geographically places. They are located in the same Places. Sometimes you have a, a farm devoted to produce crops, and uh, their neighbors produce or try to produce uh, food for themselves and for the community, with all the problems that it involves, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, terms, in terms, for example, of contamination of the food and the using of agrochemicals that we call agrotoxics.
0: So with this, you have a particular interest in women and the family farm. So can you lay out that for us here yes. in the States?
1: Well, my, my interest appeared when I was uh, in my master studies, where I saw that women were organized, but they, their voices were not heard. In the countryside, they have several roles. They have uh, a role. In, the, in their own families, they used to produce the food that they consume, they have little places where they grow food, they own food, they have maybe several uh, animals that they, they sell for, earn money to buy the things their family needs, and it's really invisibilized, because the producer is usually the man. Even when they are really important for the uh, sustainability of their, <laughs> of the family for, uh, also for the production of the farm, sometimes they are produced or they take decisions with the months, but they are not seen as relevant and they also have an important uh, community place they Tend to uh, link all the persons in the community. They used to offer things that the communities, the rural communities need, but they are not heard in the pre- or they are not not recognized as important in in this in this sense. And they also are mobilized. You know, they they used to, they usually have their their own branches in organizations or their own organizations, but they. Don't usually they are not usually seated in the tables where decisions are taken. So from ten years up to now, in our in Latin America there have been a lot of uh, public policies for rural women. So my question was, well, if they don't take part in those tables where political public policies are decided, are decided, who takes the voice? for them, who, who writes their, their voice. So it's like, this is the contradiction I am interested in. You know, I am political sciences, scientist, so my my main interest is like political, uh, regarding public policies. Uh, well, whose voice is heard in, those, in this process? I, I know
0: in the, um, what you had written, I had read something about how women are resisting patriarchy in these rural areas can you talk a little bit
1: about ways in which they are doing that it was really interesting the role they had in the 90s for for instance the main papers or studies in argentina recovered this experience when the uh, ngos came to argentina and there was it was also a really critical moment for our economy so most of the lands were going to trial to get them out of the of the farmers. Uh, so the banks were trying to take those producers out of their, their files, the of their lands. So in that moment women began to organize themselves to protect their own families. You know it's kind of contradictory because they were protecting their families, but they were not uh, struggling against, against patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. In fact, some in some sense you can say that they were uh, like making patriarchy strong because they were protecting the owners oh, yeah, of true. the lands okay. and not themselves. From this moment to now, they began to talk to themselves and then they began to organize themselves. So they have been building stronger organization. In this way, I think they are getting more organized and they have been showing their their own realities and showing that they are uh, important for for the field, for the land, for the production, for the communities and for the uh, public policies making, Mm -hmm. you know. I think it has also been uh, really touched for the movement of women in the streets since 2015 in Argentina, the urban movement and the and the rural movement find in a common struggle. Maybe not in the streets, but it makes rural women to raise their their voices and to uh, make stronger. They felt that they could speak about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they, in that way they they got stronger and in that way. They found the women, the urban women, you know. Yeah. Uh, so now they have plenty of organizations. They ha- they do conferences, they do encounters, and during the pandemic it was uh, stronger mm-hmm. because they do most of the of their chats or of their encounters through digital platforms so everyone could be in there even when our rural areas are really disconnected uh one of each other you know because they don't have internet internet signal or because they don't have mobile signal so <laughs> the, they they become uh more connected between themselves mm-hmm.
0: What would you say are the, maybe a couple of the demands that they're wanting? Like what is it that they are asking or protesting for?
1: I think the main thing is to be recognized as producer. Those other topics, like violence against women, are not really important in the sense, of the, in the sense that they are not mobilized in, in this, around in this, those topics. They are more mobilized for being recognized as important in the production. We also have some programs to funding them. Rural women don't used to to get don't usually get a funding for their productions. Don't access to cre- don't have access to credit. Don't have access to support for the of the organization uh, gover- governmental institutions that offers training for production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are, like, uh, really apart from the role of producers. So I think the, first, the, the main demand is to be recognized as producers and to get the same resources that the man has yeah. for producing. Because they
0: cannot own land, is that right?
1: Yes, they can own oh, they can. but they don't usually own the okay, land. Okay, got it. We don't really have re- uh, much information about that because the census doesn't get this information even when women carries on the production you know are in charge of the production they don't used to be the owner f- the owners of lands so they don't appear in the figures of the census mm-hmm. yeah the form of recollecting the information is really bad so they are not we can't speak of them because we don't have the Real yeah, figures, the information. yeah. The inform, the real information, yeah.
0: And how much of Argentina is rural?
1: I think we have like maybe forty, forty. Sorry, forty of the people living in rural areas, like forty percent. Yeah, forty okay. percent. Most of our people lives in urban uh, areas. Urban. So that's like here. But most of our land is rural because yeah. our Argentina is a really has really low population for the for the size of the of the country. At the same time, uh, most of the of the land we have is owned by, by big corporations right. even uh, foreign people. Now there is a big movement about that and in some provinces, especially in the south and in the north, almost 15% of the land is owned by foreign people. Wow. So it's really well, you know, the rural reform has been a real or a really difficult topic in Argentina, and now there are the rural organization has several projects uh, regarding the, this land distribution, and one of the main topics is well, stop giving. Uh, the property of land to foreign people. Mm -hmm. This is one way in which we can recover the owning of our land and to produce our own food. Because rural areas in Argentina don't produce their own food.
0: What are the crops that are made for international
1: trade? Soyabin is the main one. And also some some sunflower, some wheat and some Corn, yes. The main one is soybean, the second is corn, the third is wheat, and the fourth I think is sunflower.
0: Okay. I have a health rights class. We just did a week on women and land and subsistence farming, which sounds like it's closely related to the family farm, right? Yeah. And talking about the privatization of of land and food and so the monocropping that gets exported out damages the health of the local population, because they're not having access to this
1: yes. food. Yeah. Yes, not only because of the food, but in Argentina because of the spread About of sprays. chemicals. Right. Yes. It, well, it was a real struggle in the last few years to have those no-spread areas, surrounding schools, surrounding towns. And not every place in Argentina is good for producing soybean, but the soybean, the soybeans have more, more and more and more cultivated in some places where the the land is not really appropriated for doing that. So the spread is even worse in those areas because they used to the spread, they have like GM, a lot of GMO to being able to produce those crops in some places where. Never has been production area, mm-hmm. so the spread is even worse and worse So yeah. maybe in some areas where we where we used to to produce, I, I don't know potatoes. Now they they have been producing uh, soybeans. Mm. So it's kind of really different the necessity, the the nutrients you need for cropping, uh, cultivating those things. So the the spread is really. Bigger and bigger, and this is this really is a a women issue too. The stop of the sp- of the spread is one topic that is not only a women topic.
0: Yeah, and because I, I imagine the health, there must be health adverse health effects, right, yes. on the population. Several,
1: several. Yeah, what are those? Cancer is the main one. Malformations is the second one. It's worst in some places in. Mainly in the north of Argentina, where there is a lot of indigenous people that even don't speak Spanish, you know, so they can't protect themselves. They live in a really in a really mm-hmm. uh, precarious condition. Mm-hmm. So they don't even have the tools to go to the governments, to the local government, and say stop spreading us. You know, pregnancies issues are a lot. The death of young people, of babies, mm-hmm. and the malformations and cancer are the the top uh, things, I think, and it's really kind of personal, even in my family we have, have cancer, cancer problems, and I can't stop thinking that this is a spread problem, you know, even when do we don't see in that way. I, I think my family has never asked themselves if this is related, mm-hmm. you know? uh, but I can't stop thinking on that. in In my town, I live in. A, I used to live in a small town, and there are several uh, cases of cancer. And I keep th- thinking on that, even when people I think in this place where you don't really see, you are in. A, you know, you are in a city, and maybe you don't think. Well, I am suffering from the spirit. If you live in a countryside and you see the planes, like spreading there, of spreading, you you can you are more aware of that. You know, you, you see that, mm-hmm. but in the town we don't see that. And uh, in fact, the wind spread the the chemicals to the city, and it's really difficult to see that sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and as you're speaking, I'm just thinking about how this is such an issue that really should, and I think in ways unite many of us because these are these big multinational corporations many parts in the world are are suffering from the adverse effects of these chemicals and pesticides and toxins and so i think it's always important to make those connections because it's happening in argentina and of course it's also happening here in the u.s
1: I've been I've been thinking on that. You know, I work on international relations, so it's like something that is always in my, in my mind. Those organizations are really international internationally organized. But our movements and our people are not really internationally organized. So why is it is this need to 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 have links with all other people that is suffering the same that we are suffering yeah it's it's a worldwide thing every everyone I think that there is no country where this is not a problem but it's kind of more problematic in our countries that I, I mean in Latin America in Africa where, where our economies depends mostly on those productions because at, at the same time the developed countries, mainly I am thinking mainly the European Union, they are not allowing any longer our products because they are spread. So it's kind of contradictory you know, the international organizations, the the international companies are spreading our people, but then we can sell it internationally, so where our our economies are. Mm -hmm. where, Where is our our future, I think. Yeah. No, it's it's at the same time an economical problem and a health problem and a, I think a problem that tackle every area.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Thanks for all that. That's super helpful.
2: Porque el camino es traído y desalienta. Porque tenemos miedo de andar a tientas. Porque esperando a solas poco te alcanza valen más dos temores que una esperanza dame la mano y vamos ya dame la mano y vamos ya si por delicadeza perdí mi Ganar la tuya por decidida, porque el silencio es cruel, peligroso el viaje, yo te doy mi canción, tú me das coraje. Leticia
0: in my class, which is a violence against women class, where we're studying different women's movements around the world because we have a lot to learn from each other. So I'm wondering if you could just start a little bit with uh, maybe just giving us a little bit of history going back before we talk about the current movement that has been really inspiring, but a little bit about uh, women's movements in, in
1: Argentina. The women movement can be can be recognized in Argentina or can be found in Argentina from the the beginning of the century. In there, in in this uh, in the formation or in the shaping of the movement, we have a really big inspiration in the left wing parties, political parties that were formed because of the immigration we have, you know, in Argentina in the. In the beginning of the 19th century, we have a lot of, especially Spanish and Italian, immigration people who were escaping from the war, they used to be, they usually were left-wing people with those left-thinking, where I think women problems were important you know is i don't mean that they were important or the movement was was only shaped because of the left wing parties but i think that the connection between those uh, women that in argentina were thinking about that and those po- um, uh, political places where women were recognized was really important so from the beginning i think in 19 19- 19 that from this moment they were trying to pass a bill for women voting and when they didn't consider they didn't get this they were performing like for elections where women were voting and where, where women were being candidates as to show that they should be allowed to vote and also in 1919 there was the first moment when Abortion was not, uh, or was allowed in several cases, in in specific cases, for rape, for example, or for health problems of the women. So in the, in the beginning of the 19th century, we had a lot of, think really important things, and also also a really important thing I think, is that women were allowed in universities. So in I think in 1899. Ni- in or in 19, 1990, so in the in the end of the of the previous century, we had the first i think there were four women getting the degree of uh, medical doctors so there were one, one of the first organized women uh, to re, to claim for those women' rights especially voting and especially some civil and political uh, rights. you mm-hmm. know well they didn't get it until 1950 and this the middle of the century when another political party the Peronismo, got this this problem got this this protest of they
0: campaigned or protested for voting rights is yes, that right yes okay
1: and and the the political party Recognize the the issue and insert it in their own platform. Okay. Got it.
0: That's platform. That's it. Yeah Yeah,
1: this political party that was now ruling the government said well, we should do that uh, because of uh, one of the most important person in this movement that was Eva Perón that was the wife of the president in fact in that moment was like interested in giving the this right to win so they get this issue they put it in the in their platform and they gave gave uh, women their right to vote Mm -hmm. so they got it in the middle of the century not not in the uh, through their the political parties that has been claiming for that in the beginning but through other political parties that, that came, came into the government at the, at this moment. Mm-hmm. Of course the struggles of those other women in the beginning of the century was really important for getting this right you know it, it was not that like the problems sh- show up in the middle of the century but it was a uh, like a real big movement mm-hmm. you know, from half of the century at least so after that, from the middle of the 1950s up to the middle of the 1980s. We had several dictatorships that restringe this right, not only for women, but for everyone. And there is another really important movement for women movements that was carried by the Madres y abuelas de Plaza de Mayo, that means mothers and grandmothers of Ma- May Square. I think mm-hmm. the May Square is the main square in Argentina, it's in front of the pink house that is like the White House in, in America. Well, we have a really the worst dictatorship was from the 1970s, the 1970s up to the 1980s was the name. The dictatorship? Uh, they called themselves the process because it was supposed to be a process to reorganize Argentina. The reorganizational process is the name of They, they gave themselves, but we call that a, civil, a civic political and military dictatorship that was supported by the government, well, but the military by the church and by, of course, America. All those processes were, were back, uh, backed by, by the U.S., by the US right. yes. And in the last few years, we have this process of the of publicizing some uh, documents that were hidden before but by the American government, and now we can see that it really happened.
0: So this also then ties into the mothers. Yeah, the, the mothers of here. we can talk about that a yes. little
1: bit. Yes, all the dictatorships, passed, but especially the last one, used it as they say that as, as a war strategy. No, they call it a war, mm. and so war they used to kidnap people, and not only everyone that they consider was against the nation, but especially. Young people and pregnant women, but they didn't kill them. They would keep them alive to make them deliver. and then they kidnap. they killed them and they kidnapped their, their children. and they gave them to families they considered were good thinkers or were political committed with them with their ideas. When those women began to be, to being kidnapped, Mothers, and that's why they got the grandmothers because there were the grandmothers of those children that were were being born in cap mm-hmm. Kap- yeah Kap- in Kap- 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 yeah they became claiming for the, the for those persons who were disappeared, and they used a, a, black, a white scarf, so for us, uh, the scarf is a really political sign for us. The white scarf they used. Made everyone recognize that they had lost their sons, their, their daughters, and they had a really new way of demonstrating and to doing protests because, of course, the protests were forbidden in this moment. And they wanted to claim the government. They have those banners in the streets, in the Mayo in the May square, and police would tell them, "You can't stay here. Please move on." please move on. So they began moving on in rounds and it was really innovative and really ke- creative as a way to protest or to demonstrate against the dictatorship because they were not standing in there in groups, they were moving on, mm-hmm. you know, they were walking in there, so no one's, police couldn't tell them go on you are not, you are in grouping here and it's forbidden. I think even when their claiming was not a feminist one, it was really important to show how women were struggling against something and the the power of women you know because the, their husbands were not there, or if they were there, they were not the main person, the main uh, yeah. they were the women who were protesting they were the women who who gave in their backs. This problem and, do, and did something. So I think even when it's not a feminist thing, it shapes our way in the feminist uh, claiming or in the mm-hmm. feminine, pro- the women pro- mm-hmm. protest.
0: The history of that. Where is it today? They
1: oh they are continuing struggling okay. for that before, in the middle of the dictatorship and mainly after the dictatorship. They did a lot of, and up to now, they did a lot of work, of work to recover those, those childs that were kidnapped and to find. Also it's important that, of course, the dictatorship kidnap and kill a lot of people, but we don't know where their bodies are.
0: Were any of the children ever discovered?
1: Yes, we have. Up to now, we have 134 kids recovered. Wow. Or I don't know, recovered is not the word I think.
0: Yeah, what is the word? Um, I like
1: found found.
0: That and they were with other families. They were yes. placed with other families. Yes. Wow.
1: And they have a genetical bank where families of the kidnapped people would give their data and uh, through this way they, they have this bank from, from that side. From our from one side and uh, from the other side, if you were if you were suspicious about your past, if you know that you have been adopted for your family, and you are not sure about your origins, you can go to the mothers and grandmothers' bank and give your uh, genetical data, and they would match you with the things they they have in this bank. And in that way they have found the those kids. Maybe. It's really shocking. Yeah. And they think, well we of course we don't have actual figures because it was illegal and there are no figures and it's also the military also are they are really or they are really strong in the secrecy. In those forty years they never said they no one said a word about where those bodies were the number we use is for 300 people disappear,
3: 30,000, sorry,
1: yes, and 300 children uh, that are missed. Half of the the children have been found up to now, and they continue, well, you know, the 24th of May is the date of when the dictatorship Began so it's a really important date for us, and the uh, mothers and grandmothers uh, usually do a campaign to ask for people to go to the to the bank and to to ask. For their identities Mm -hmm. you know and they say if you enter the website they say we are still waiting for you we are here if you was born between those years i don't remember exactly but that people has now more than 40 years so it's really imagine going to this place when you are 40 and ask for your identity it's really tough but I think that the last children recovered no children, but the, the one people recovered the last people recovered was two months ago, so wow. they are recovering they, they are funding people yeah. up to now.
0: yeah that's amazing. Yes,
1: it is this is that's why I, I I said that these are really shaping movement for women movement, and they are also engaged. We, I mean, mother and um, grandmothers are engaged with all human rights movements. Yeah, that... We have them in the abortion protest, in the mm-hmm. well, Ni Una Menos protest, in, in all yeah. those feminist protests, we have them.
0: Will you talk a little bit about that? Because that's what I wanted also for you to tell us about. Is it's Ni Una Menos, is that right? Yes. I've seen a lot of things about how women's rights here or abortion rights here in the U.S. that we could really look to Latin America to learn and especially in this current moment in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about Ni Una Menos? Yes. Ni Una
1: Menos is no No. one less, no no one woman less, and it's organized around femicide. It's similar to Ni Una Mas in Mexico. But the slogan is different, but the meaning is the same. We yeah. don't want no one, woman death because of femicide. In Argentina, we also include, or this movement also include the trans woman. That is really important because, of course, up to now, we have pretty few information from the governments. Today, we have one femicide every 24 hours in Argentina a femicide or a trans-femicide. So this campaign, Nuna Menos, began in 2015 after several femicides that were shown on the TV, that reached public agenda. It was totally spontaneous. People decided to go to the streets. After the dictatorship especially, we have a lot, a real big tradition, a huge tradition on going on the streets and on wearing scarves, you know. So uh, there is a purple, purple scarf for this campaign, Unamenos, and it's done every year. We have a, a demonstration that was the day we decided we couldn't be hide any longer and we need to be seen. We need to be seen in the streets. I think that with women issues, feminist issues, happens uh, something really important, that is that we use sh- we usually organize themselves as like parallel states, you know? The state that have the information, well, we will get it and mm-hmm. we will do it public, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if we don't want to tell us uh, how many women die for femicide, well, we will, we will search for this information. If you don't tell us where our ch- children are, well we will do that. So this this movement is mostly devo- devoted to uh, now getting this this information and support people who support women and trans women who are uh, dealing with uh, femicides or with violence. And the other thing is the abortion campaign. In our uh, demonstration we sing a Chilean song that mm-hmm. they made. There have been a lot of protests in Chile against the government, mm-hmm. the right uh, wing government. In our demonstration we sing their songs. Mm. And well, those links are really important. We are yeah. really linked. and I think this is really important for this movement. And the other movement is the abortion campaign that is from the beginning of the of the 21st century but get the public seen in 2018 when our government decide to have a bill to discuss a bill on abortion you know we have this not penalized abo- abortion mm-hmm. because yeah. of some rape or health yes yeah. rape or health but in the last few years before the um, the bill, some medical doctors began to to have a way sense of health. So if you, they would perform you an abortion mm-hmm. for other because you want it, uh, th- uh, saying that it it was health issues. You know they have a broad sig- uh, signification mm-hmm. or meaning mm-hmm. meaning. Sorry of of health. Yeah. So you had to find them, but. It was a movement that was also performed by some uh, medical doctors. So in 2018 this will try to pass. We have two chambers, the deputies and senators. The deputies approved it and the senators didn't because senators, senators used to be more conservatives. But in 2016 and 2017, it was discussed by people. We have a procedure in the chambers where, when, when people can go there and discuss some topic, and it was done by the began sorry by the deputies. Mm-hmm. But they ask people to come to discuss this. So the abortion the people of the abortion campaigns, some lawyers, some medical doctors went there and of course also where there are those anti rights movement anti abortion movement we call them anti rights that are organized worldwide you mm. know they they are related to the catholic church but no not only and they are the same people that was in here when the Roe... I, I don't know uh,
0: the Roe versus wade yes yep.
1: yeah they were the same huh. uh, and I know some of them. I know their faces and were the same people.
0: They were here in the US? Yes. Oh, wow.
1: So it's not only the, the same movement, but only, but also the same people. Yeah. Going there and, and being here. 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 So.
0: Are was, they from the US?
1: Yes, both. But it's connected like,
0: to the church? Yes. OK, got it. That makes sense. Wow. Yes. OK. It's shocking.
1: Yeah. So after this, when the bill didn't pass, uh, the anti-abortion movement also began to organize and get the streets in Argentina. So they have built a giant baby, and they used to get them in the street. Uh-huh. His name was Alma, that means soul, you know? and they have them in the streets. So we have the two squares, the Pla- uh, Plaza de Mayo is the main one, but also in the Congress we have another square where we used to... To go uh, in the demonstrations, and so they had to put a, a thing in the middle. And in one side we have the green movement, the abortion <laughs> one, and in the other side we had the light blue uh, movement, that is the anti-right yeah. movement. So they used our strategy. You wow! Know? <laughs> it, it was shocking. Yeah. They they had this this strategy that we use, and they did the same. Yeah. But so there was so cannot, much okay.
0: so much more of you than them.
1: Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, Cuz the
0: pictures are amazing. Oh, yes, they yeah. Yeah, I love looking. Yeah. At the Most of
1: them, them are be, um, are from 2018 when okay. the the bill didn't pass because it was redis, rediscussed in 2020 and 20 and it was during the pandemics. So more of us didn't go to the, okay. the square okay, because of the but it did pandemic. pass in 2020. Yes, it, That's yes, yeah. because we have a new government. You know that is more related or more they, they have more women claim claims or women issues in their platform. Yeah, it's important to say that the abortion movement is not go through every party. So we have people from deputies and senators uh, yeah. for every party struggling for abortion and human rights, uh, women's rights. You've
0: been here in the U.S. for a little bit, and I was curious what your impressions are of the U.S. around some of these issues.
1: I think something similar that I told you about rural movements and rural issues. You know, abortion is a worldwide problem, Uh, so we should be linked, every one of us. You know it's not only for learning from each other but also for get some strong yes strong to get strong to do more things around in this and to get the topic really or the issue really heard. but i i've been like in some places hearing about abortioning and the, the first thing I really shocked is the different way in you in which you are organized. There are more local organizations and maybe you provide some housing or some other for people who is suffering from that. The different thing is that you are not in the streets as we are. This I think this is the main thing. You are not as visible as us, I think.
0: I think you're right on though. I mean I th- I think that you just described that so perfectly. We're not in the streets here like you are, and I think that's why I really push that we have so much to learn from other places because there's some places we are on the streets. I mean there was lots of rebellions and uprising around uh, Black Lives Matter and some of the police brutality, but in other ways the streets are a bit dead here i i see that as a problem
1: also so it's interesting to hear your perspective i've seen that we have we have really similar things to ask abortion campaign has three slogans the the first one is sexual education to learn not need to abort mm-hmm. and i think this is a real a real important thinking here too uh, sexual education. We need sexual education in the, in the schools. But it, does, and it doesn't mean only sexuality, you know. For example, in Argentina we have a law that says that uh, we had to have sexual education from the uh, kindergarten. kindergarten. It means teaching children to say what they, what they think, to speak about their feelings. Because that is something that the patriarchy doesn't allow us not only women, but also men. They can cry, they can say, I love you, but they can also say, I am suffering, and all other feelings that I cannot say in, in English, but we, we have forbidden to say that. So the first thing is sexual education, that not only means how to use protection for sexual intercourse, but all those things regarding feelings. The second one is tips to decide whether you want or you don't want to be a mom. And the third one is abortion, but not only abortion, free abortion. It's really important. Even when we have a really good public uh, health system and we got a lot of free services regarding health, we know that the poor people get abortions in bad conditions and rich people get abortions in private clinics where they are really safe. They don't die because of abortion. Poor women die because of abortion. These three uh, slogans are, I think, are are really present in here. And also the thing that is a human right, that is a public health issue, because the hospitals, the public hospitals in, in Argentina have to get those women who have insecure abortion and give them attention, of course they don't, can't do much, they usually die. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I, I think that we have a lot in common, so the only thing we have to do is to talk to each other. Uh, not not only to get the same str- strategies, as I told you, because maybe the same strategies are not as useful in here and in other place, but well, the, maybe to develop new strategies, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, that are good for all of us.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. That's really helpful. Is there anything else you would like to say before?
1: I think <laughs> I, I don't. I only want to thank <laughs> to you. No, thank you. Because it has been really interesting for me, even to talk about that is uh, makes you think. So thank you for that opportunity. Oh yes, gracias por tu tiempo. <laughs> gracias. <laughs>
0: Y tu información es muy importante. Is my
1: Spanish okay? Yeah, yes. It
0: rocks. All right, we're back. This is Anna for Indigo Radio, and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in today. A huge thank you to Leticia Gonzalez for the time that she spent with me. Thank you for teaching us so much. And we're going to go out with a song by the great Argentinian singer Mercedes Sosa. It is a song called Como Pájaros in el Aire. It means as birds in the air. And Leticia said that it is better known as Las Manos de Mi Madre, which is my mother's hands. And that the song is about what it means being a mother, how much work they do caring and feeding their families. Uh, but it's also from the point of view of a child. So... Leticia had said that this song matches perfectly with the mothers and grandmothers of Plaza de Mayo, uh, but also about the role of women in their own families. Thank you again, and we will be back next week.
4: en el aire historias de cocina entre sus alas heridas de hambre las manos de mi madre saben que ocurre por las mañanas cuando amasa la vida horno de barro pan de esperanza Las manos de mi madre llegan al patio desde temprano Todo se vuelve fiesta cuando ella juega Junto a otros pájaros, junto a los pájaros que aman la vida Y la construyen con los trabajos Arde la leña, harina y barro Lo cotidiano se vuelve mágico se vuelve mágico Las manos de mi madre me representan un cielo abierto Un recuerdo añorado, trapos calientes En Los inviernos, ellas se brindan cálidas, nobles, sinceras, limpias de todo. Como serán las manos del que las mueve, gracias al odio. Las manos de mi madre llegan al patio de. Temprano Todo se vuelve fiesta Cuando ellas juegan Junto a otros pájaros Junto a los pájaros Que aman la vida Y la construyen con los trabajos Arde la leña Harina y barro Lo cotidiano se vuelve mágico Se vuelve mágico